Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing today? I am excellent. I'm having a lovely time. It's Friday. We're recording this on a Friday. I do not mind admitting. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nearly the freaking weekend. I'm about to have me some Ooh. fun. I before we start recording this week, guys. I uh, I bought a projector for my new abroad in Japan studio mm. this week, 120 inches. I was bragging to Pete. I was like, Pete, you got to get one of these. And he's like, got so I've got two. You've got tons. <laughs> I do got, have two. Look at you. Bragging. I've got a little Babby Kodak one. I've got a little Babby Kodak one, and I've got a little. Um, what have I got? And I've got a big chunker that was very cheap back in the day that I uh, got for my friend's wedding. <laughs> this one is so they're pretty cheap. I think this was 1,200 pounds about fifteen hundred dollars right. uh it was it was a toss-up between a tv and a projector and i chose projector because it's a big studio and i wanted a big kind of big size screen and yeah. it's so a good cool. projector is inches. so much better than a telly it is yeah yeah I it's reckon. 4k it's pretty good quality it's kind of portable as well you can move it around easily and i the first thing i did i, I watched the music video to too much volcano Terry and Natsuki. And it was amazing. It was like I was there all over again. 120 inches. It was amazing, Pete. Too much volcano. Look at me trying to sell my dear record one more time. I still haven't got yeah. the bloody figures from iTunes yet. I don't know how many people bought it. Let's have a look now. You could be this. like a you could be like a um, a record mogul. You could be like could a, be. one of the most one of the world's most successful producers. People <laughs> might be sort of battering down your door. How do you make the music? Because you made the music, didn't you? Yeah, like I made it. I made it on an app called uh, Launchpad. And Launchpad. I think the app is. Like, do you free. have any sort of musical? Do you have any sort of musical um, like training? Like, have you ever made music before? I'm just confused Not, as, to, as to how you made a, a song. I, 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 I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I used to use something like Sony. I think it was Sony Acid studio i think it was called mm. where you could put loops in and play around and stuff so yeah, i played around yeah. there and i can't play a single instrument but i i'm kind of interested in producing music i'm not going to act like making too much volcano is like the grammy award-winning way into the industry <laughs> like oh yes i made a hit song and it was brilliant and it, it uh people bought it because it sounded good and not because we've got a million subscribers we could sell it to i i think it's a catchy song though somebody did do yeah, a great video didn't they pulling it apart uh, on YouTube that's going around called Too Much Volcano, How Brilliant It Was or something. It's got like oh, 40,000 right, okay. views. Someone like... Oh, like a, a kind of someone like behind the music kind of thing. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did a video uh, talking about how we made it and sort of pulling apart the notes and how the song hook works to sort of reel you in. Uh, the song <laughs> is pretty cool. It's, uh, it's uh, called Overanalyzing Too Much Volcano by Broad Japan. Uh, there's a thumbnail, Musical Masters. And Musical Masters. <laughs> photoshopped me next to Beethoven. Oh, it's I all gone to this. my head, Pete. I think I'm like, I'm gonna, you know. I'm going to watch this video producer. before the Nagakin one. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, no, it's cool. Like, I, I, so I use Launchpad, and you get loads of loops Launchpad. on it, and you can sort of play around. Um, I can give you, a, I can give you uh, a little hint of what the next song's going to sound like. Go on, then. Do you want to have a listen? Are you ready for this? 
<laughs> sounds like elevator music. You what? The sort of thing they play on that's, Book Off in Book that's Off. That's one option. That's one option. Another one was uh, <laughs> elevator music. You bastard. Uh, this one. <laughs> what about this one? What about this one? Let me get into it. That's so cool. <laughs> it's so swish. So smooth. But, so sexy. There you go. Too much volcano. Let's let's find nice. out how much money it's made. Let's have a look. Uh, so we use this get software called DistroKid, and it uh, mm. distributes it to everything. Uh, Would you recommend that? It's only 25 quid or something. Get your music out there. So, so I could, could I just record a scream? Me uh, screaming and just for like five minutes and then just putting it on, I'll put it on Spotify. <laughs> you most certainly could, Pete. You most certainly yes. could. I can't Get recommend doing there. that though. All right, here we Get go. In there. It is made. Are you ready for this? I'm ready You're for not this, ready. baby. This is how much um, Too Much Volcano has made. It has made $32.16. <laughs> That's a, at least five trips to McDonald's. Let's go now. I mean, yeah, so this is this is revenue. It gives you a breakdown of where it's come from. And all right. the streaming platforms haven't submitted their statistics yet. So we got these figures from YouTube. Uh, when I uploaded the video, it uploaded – sorry, when I uploaded the song to DistroKid, it uploaded uh, the song to YouTube automatically. So this is revenue ah. from YouTube. Um, so YouTube ads, $8.25, and YouTube Premium, $23.89, giving you combined So was that video titles. just – was was that video just um just a blank sort of page with with the too much volcano kind of their creation or do you upload a video at the same time you upload the video and the song at the same time they no they just took the song and they took the artwork that I downloaded that I uploaded to DistroKid right. and they just uploaded that onto YouTube so oh, interesting I, it's interesting when I when I went on YouTube I saw it pop up and I thought ah oh, someone's stolen the song and then I discovered it was that actually it was you you it was did me. It. it was me. It was me behind it the whole time. The Tyler um, Durden. So you're still waiting for the actual kind of <laughs> iTunes kind of. You're still waiting for the Spotify. You wait. You still wait for the big boys to uh, pile uh, pile the figures boys. in, right? Okay. And that's well, going to be watch very exciting. It will and be. Uh, it's going to be an exciting September. We should get the numbers through late September. Yeah. In time for my second birthday that I've just wake made me up. up. Wake me up when <laughs> September ends, Chris. Let me know, with my, right, baby. With my too much volcano <laughs> cash, it's good. Though. I'm gonna obviously we're gonna split it with Joey and Natsuki, and whatever I get out of it, I'm gonna apply that, gonna plow that back into a a sequel, mm. um, which the sequel of which you've just heard the soundtrack to potentially. Those are two Indeed. like options we're playing with, but uh, Joey, it's all it's all it all hinges on Joey really because he's the master, he's the lyrical genius, mm. and the guy that's gonna be singing because. <laughs> Lord knows I'm not going to be able to sing. We got a story this week uh, from Pe- Peter from Norway. Uh, Peter? De- de- it's kind of dear, highly revered Chris and Pete. Highly revered. Are you highly revered, Pete? I am highly revered. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm respected by every man I see from man one to man 20. <laughs> it and doesn't woman. say that on the Pete Donaldson Wikipedia, Pete. It doesn't no. say that at all. People just, just edit it how they like. Oh, they do. Stop looking at. I stop looking at it now. Well, I got a message from. I think I, I read that Wikipedia was going to remove my page last year because someone kept editing it that I was the creator of like uh, green tea vodka. Because in a video I mixed green tea and vodka, and then I said in the video I said, "There you go, I've invented a new drink. Get that on Wikipedia." <laughs> and someone actually did, and then Wikipedia <laughs> got angry at the person. Point is, 
don't edit Wikipedia too much, otherwise you'll lose it. Um, back to the story. <laughs> Dear Highly Revered Chris and Pete, I wanted to share with you the story of what happened when I visited Japan in 2019. I was hiking with my Japanese-speaking friend through the uh, Ide mountain range in Bandai Asahi National Park, which I believe is in Fukushima. Uh, we planned a five-day hike from south to north, sleeping in cabins in my tent along the way. On day two, between huts number one and two, there was an almighty downpour, the likes of which I'd never experienced before. Suddenly, rivers were pouring down the mountainside as we tried to hurry to the next hut. We then came to a point where the path was blocked by a patch of solid snow, like a small glacier. The only thing we could do was carefully walk across. Surprise! The rain had made the ice extremely slippery, so I fell and dislocated my shoulder. I managed to get up, and we soon arrived at the second hut, but it became clear that the hike was not going to continue. The next morning, the cabin master told us that there had been an accident near the previous hut and that there would be a helicopter picking up the injured person. We decided to instead walk back down the mountains to not be a burden to those who were much more injured than I was. On our way back, we saw the rescue helicopter picking up the others. They must have seen us as well, because when we arrived back at hut number one, some of the rescuers were waiting for us. They gave me a sling and started to help us down the mountain, along with the wife of the other injured man. Initially, we were about seven people, but apparently this was a big rescue operation. So we met more and more rescuers from the Kitakata Fire and Rescue Service on the way down. After six hours, our group had grown to about 30 people. We were even wow. interviewed by someone there, which was very confusing. Afterwards, they kindly drove us down to the nearest train station so we could take the train to a city with a hospital. I will never forget all those rescuers who were so kind to us. When we eventually got on the train, my friend noticed that he was steadily losing his Wi-Fi reception. I'd been sharing my mobile data for him to use as Wi-Fi, so we realised that I must have gotten my phone uh, must have forgotten my phone on the train station. Ah, oh, crap. We got oh, off no. in the literal middle of nowhere. Luckily, there was an old woman working in her garden nearby, and my friend asked her if she knew when the next train back would arrive. Apparently, the train would not come for another six hours. <laughs> the woman then invited us into her house for tea, which we accepted. I did not know any Japanese, so I sat there smiling and nodding with my dislocated shoulder. After a while, my friend told them about my injury and asked them to call a taxi. When we arrived back at the station and we departed hours earlier from, my phone was still on the table exactly where I'd left it. Why do Japanese people apparently love to help others out? Why is that, do you think? Lovely greetings from Peter <laughs> in Norway. Why, Pete? Why, Pete? Why, Why are people so nice? Why? I don't know, mate, to be honest. I, I would say that people are generally nice uh, everywhere. Um, we lost our dog uh, briefly uh, oh God. last week. Um, someone, not naming names, left the, the side gate <laughs> open when he went to the tip uh, a few days <laughs> earlier and the dog got out and uh, obviously my partner was inconsolable uh, that her dog had gone missing. Um, so, yeah, I was oh in the... Do- sorry, the, the unnamed person was in the doghouse for a little while. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody found uh, Buckley Dog. Uh, he'd only gone a couple of doors, to be honest. Um, he has very very few aspirations. What was he, <laughs> he looking knows for? What side his, side his butter is uh, breaded, or rather. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's just just looking for food. That's kind of his thing. Now you get to thirteen, fourteen as a dog, and you just want food all the time, and you just don't care who you have to I know scream the to get at it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we haven't even got that <laughs> excuse. But yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, so 
the, the couple of doors down, someone helped us out by bringing the dog back. So I think everyone's helpful. It's just, you know, some people have more time to, to help than others, I suppose. And yeah, and the language barrier, I think, accentuates that. You want to help, but you, but you can't. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Peter quite lucky in many respects that so many things went mm. right that day, but then went yeah. wrong. You know, uh, I I I I think in any country people would have been nice in this situation. Surely, mm. helped him down the mountain, mm. give him some tea. But I think it's, it's a nice story. It's quite an adventure. What a hell of a day! You know, survived the great flood of Fukushima. It seems like he was um, near Kitakata, which is a right. Uh, which is near, which is in North Fukushima, where the mountains are. And Kitakata is famous for having the most ramen shops per capita of anywhere in Japan, any town or any right. city. So I'm amazed the story didn't end with, and then we went and got some ramen. Well, it didn't go that way, did it? <laughs> Nothing, you had some tea with a nice, kind old woman. Everything doesn't have to start and end with ramen, Chris. I don't know, I it think does. You know that. It does, Pete. <laughs> it definitely does. Well, oh, it's lovely. Well done, Pete. I hope you're doing yeah, better. Well done. I hope, I hope your shoulder. Well <laughs> hope in the last three years your shoulder has recovered. Um, well, but, um, uh, Chris, speaking of ramen, uh, oh speaking God. of eating as much ramen as it can fit in your belly, um, <laughs> are you familiar with like biodiesel, biofuel? Uh, obviously, oh, I love it, um, Pete. It's it, my favourite thing. I love it. I can't get enough Every of it. Every day I eat it. Well, you it, sort yeah. of see people who have got like, um, you know, like they, they turn cooking oil, you know, McDonald's cooking oil into uh, into biofuel, biodiesel, where people can kind yeah, of... Yeah, I remember... Um, whack it in their car and drive around on powered by I remember when um, yeah lots of airlines always try and do it I remember when uh, Richard Branson like 15 years ago said that all virgin mm. planes were going to be run by biofuel but then it turned out the biofuel was grown from plants that were damaging the environment even more than fuel was <laughs> um, and then it never happened but okay, uh, right. how the heck why did you go from ramen to biofuel well, a apparently a transport firm in southwestern Japan has come up with an ingenious way to power his trucks oh, with biodiesel fuel partly made from leftover tonkotsu ramen soup broth. No way. <laughs> this guy, Nishida Shun, is the firm and they're based in Fukuoka and they mix lard extracted from the broth, which is, of course, made from pork bones, uh, with a fuel made from waste cooking oil. Um, just making that cooking oil biodiesel <laughs> just that little bit tastier, just that little bit milkier, a little bit brothier. <laughs> Delicious, um, but uh, yeah, in, in some of its hundred seventy uh, trucks, uh, they are they are um, using this kind of like ramen broth. Did you say one hundred and seventy trucks powered. One hundred seventy trucks. I mean, that's not even all of them either. I mean, they could switch to electricity, but clearly, he really <laughs> wants to keep hold of his uh, his diesel trucks. So he's uh, yeah, he, he's kind of come up with a. He came up with a way personally, uh, apparently, a 74-year-old chap. He developed a device to separate out the lard from the broth uh, that could be placed in the kitchens mm. of ramen shops. So, you know, once you finish, you just throw the throw the, 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 the discarded ramen uh, into the into the thing and it uh, and it separates the lard from, from, from the oil, which is fascinating. Um, and, yeah, he came up with a way of, of eliminating all the bad stuff that, that you can't use for bio, biodiesel. And, uh, yeah, um, I know. he said... At the beginning, I had no knowledge of chemistry, and it was all about trial and error. <laughs> just keep on going, mate. <laughs> Get, a, a I just kept sit. on put, pushing lard into my uh, into my lorry. <laughs> it just didn't work. I just complained for ages. Horrible. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm looking man. at this. Look at this news story. The company purchases lard from t- and waste cooking oil from two thousand restaurants and uses it to produce yeah. three thousand liters of fuel a day. That's that is bonkers, but you know a lot of these ramen shops do have a lot of waste over waste sort of leftover mm. uh, oil and broth, so it's not a bad idea. 
you know, and you, you have yeah. to pay to get rid of a lot of this broth. So if they could just hand it over as fuel, that's a bonus. That's clever. Definitely. That's genius. And 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 you <laughs> and I imagine down, the trucks smell lovely. <laughs> well, yeah, and when you break well, actually no, Tonkotsu doesn't smell good. I don't know if you how many times you've because like, Tonkotsu's pork bones, uh pig mm. bones. It does have mm. a pretty gross smell. Uh I, I do like Tonkotsu. Like if you've gone to uh oh god, what's the really popular ramen chain we always slate and slag off and despise? Uh, oh, Ichiran. Ichiran. That's Ichiran, you know, that's right. Tonkotsu pork broth. Mm. Um it has a really kind of unpleasant, bitter smell to it, but it tastes great. It does taste good. <laughs> so what happens if you break down? Could you just stick a spoon in the engine and just yeah. sip? <laughs> on a on a cold on yeah. a cold day in the mountains, you'd be like, "Yeah, let me just get let's let's just uh, get a little siphon." Well, it would have been great when I broke down. down when I broke down Hokkaido in March. That would have been amazing <laughs> if I could have just stuck a straw in and had a, yeah. a cheeky sip. Delicious. <laughs> I'll just drink the the diesel. It'll get you pissed. Oh. <laughs> oh God! Do not drink petrol. There used to be a man in Hartlepool who kept on uh, huffing petrol from the uh, from the pump. Oh my god! Uh, I think I think I don't think he, he can't be with us still. <laughs> he just can't. He was more he was more <laughs> petrol than man by the end. But uh, I love I love these like novel ideas when it comes to these. Uh, we had a story a few months back where they were going to make a Japan was going to pioneer the first satellite made from wood. Do you remember that? Why did it happen to that? I, I saw I Elon know, Musk probably, unveiled if, uh, an Android computer, an Android uh, robot as well yesterday in a live show. Have you seen this yet? The Tesla robot. No, I haven't. No. Type it into Google. You're going to be amazed. You're going to love I've it. I've seen the. Um, I've seen that. Can they just calm down for a bit, these guys? Just calm no. down. Take a it's few days PR. off for crying out loud. Good PR. Yeah, true. true. It's a. It's a robot that's supposed to deal with all the boring tasks, all the dangerous tasks that you don't want to do. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I feel like uh, there's. You know, it's an easy PR stunt. Whether it goes ahead or not remains to be seen. But. Uh, I don't know. Can we, do you envision? Do you envisage a day when all of Kyushu's cars are powered by ramen, Pete? Tom I just, again, I just think it would taste, taste and smell delicious. I would be constantly just running around with a little pipe, sucking up the juicy pork broth from the, <laughs> oh. from the trucks. I'd be oh, a menace. I'd be a menace, Chris. That sounds so grim. I haven't had. I haven't had ramen in like one, two. Three, four, yes. maybe four, four or five weeks. Five. Oh no, your ramen levels must be so low right now. Yeah, I know, right? My cholesterol's <laughs> probably recovered for the first time in three years. <laughs> I, I don't know why I haven't had ramen though. I think there's a real sense of guilt that comes with having ramen because it is like a hundred percent salt, and uh, <laughs> you sort of have it, and then you yeah, not like you that feel chicken, like, oh, chicken you buy from the Seven uh, Eleven. <laughs> I, you know what, I reckon. Family Mart chicken, two or three pieces, is still better than having a bowl of ramen and drinking all the broth. Wholly disagree. Wholly disagree. <laughs> I mean, I need to look into the nutrition of this. And I know yeah. one of you guys listening in are going to come and let us know in the emails. Let him know. Let's have that on the next week's show. Let him know. <laughs> Put me let out my misery. How, wrong he is. Yeah. how much? How many pieces of chicken <laughs> do I need to eat to be as bad as a bowl of ramen? But I haven't had tonkotsu in a long time. I really, I always stick to soy sauce broth. Do you have a favourite out of soy, miso? I just like anything uh, creamy, any, any ramen that's quite creamy, so I'd probably like the tonkotsu. But... Tonkotsu, yeah, yeah. Tonkotsu is very creamy. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we'll be back right. after this break in a moment with your questions in the fax machine. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now we're back in the fax machine. What have we got this week from our listeners, Mr. Dolson? Well, we were talking about ramen just before we chipped off for a break. Uh, Dear Mr. Miserable and Petri Dish Pete, this is Tom (laughs) in Oregon speaking. Mr. Petri Dish Pete, obviously my COVID uh, diagnosis. Oh, God. I think because I got COVID probably. Uh, I know how everyone says Japanese food is great, but do you ever get tired of it? I want more variety. I looked on Google Maps and saw that Sendai does have Thai, Indian and Italian restaurants. Do you ever go? Chris, do you ever eat out in places that aren't strictly Japanese? You bet I do. I yeah, uh, I, I use do, mate. as a do. delivery food apps are like all the rage in Sendai at the moment. I think it's the perfect city for a lot of uh, companies to test it out and see how it goes. So we've got uh, we've got Food Panda, we've got Uber Eats, and we've got Walt. And um, mm. yeah, I, I had some uh, Thai food just yesterday. It was great. We do have a lot of Thai food, uh, Korean restaurants, Indian restaurants are. Around no British restaurants really. Actually, no, that's a lie. Mm. There's one tea room that just does some scones, some scones, some scones, some scones, scones, scones. 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 What do you say? How do you say it in high school? I say scone. Uh, yeah, scone. 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 Scones a little bit posh. We have scones, <laughs> scones, and right. um, yeah, no, it's good. We we do have a lot of variety, but I do miss authentic foreign cuisine because all Japanese food, uh, you know, that you go to an Italian restaurant and it's sort of often manipulated for the Japanese taste buds. They take out a lot of spicy flavors, a lot of herbs and spices, and uh, the flavors are sort of di- are sort of uh, simplified a bit. Uh, so I feel like complex flavors can be difficult to find in Japan a lot of the time. I was chatting to uh, Vish from the Football Ramble on the Luke and Pete yeah. show, and he was in Tokyo um, covering the Olympics, and uh, he was saying that um, he was really looking forward to getting out, and um, he's, he's from his family are from Sri Lanka, and he said yeah. uh, that a lot of really good Sri Lankan and uh, sort of South South Asian Southeast Asian uh, mm. uh, restaurants in Japan, they take the blueprint and they just they're so specific. You know, they're craftsmen and women, aren't they? And and, and yeah, they yeah. don't deviate from the from the plan. And they uh, they're really some of the restaurants are really really good stuff. They don't dick about they use the best mm. ingredients because they have such a, a level of respect for it at all yeah yeah i think i think if i went to the uk when i do eventually go i tend to find when i do go to the uk i miss japanese food more than i miss british food when i'm here right because uh, mm. when you when you when you're not in the uk there's only a few things you can't get which is a sausage and some bacon and some cheese and cider but when you're in the uk <laughs> You know, sushi, to get sushi, you need to pay like £300 for like one piece yeah. of decent sushi. Ramen's pretty tough to find outside of London. Mm. All Japanese food is pretty tough to find outside of London. So I do find yeah. I miss Japanese food more than I miss British food if I go to the UK. Um, but yeah, Aww. and I guess where you are, Pete, do you have any Japanese restaurants in your neighbourhood? In essence? Not a lot, to be honest. I think it's a ramen restaurant that uh, only opens, they, they, they just sell it as like meal kits. They don't... Um, 
that you can't sit in and eat. Uh, right. They're sort of based in like a donut shop or something. So I'm fairly certain that was the case. What? I'm fairly certain. That was, yeah, I was really confused. I was like, what the fuck? But Authentic yeah, Japanese donuts. Authentic Japanese donut Mr. donuts. Delicious. Someone will do it. Someone will bloody do it. Inevitably. <laughs> we got one here from Leonara. Um, it says, hi, Chris and Pete. I'm Leonara from Sweden. And I work as a middle school teacher. I have a question about a topic I don't hear about much in regards to Japan. How is neurodiversity looked at, looked upon in Japanese society? Uh, did you notice during your period of teaching students who may have been diagnosed or shown signs of autism or ADHD? If so, how was the learning environment to make it more accessible to these students? I look forward to future episodes. Leonora. Uh, that's a good question, actually. I hmm. there was a school uh, in my area where kids that did have like disorders or kind of disorders were taken and placed. Basically, um, hmm. in my class, I'd say there maybe there was a few kids. I don't know how autism is diagnosed in Japan or ADHD for that matter. Um, it was never really raised by teachers in the classroom. They never really talked about it. So I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Japanese classroom is so different from what I knew in the UK anyway. I wouldn't be able to work out who was who had anything in, in the Japanese mm. classroom just because, like, kids don't put their hand up often uh, in the English. When it comes to English, like, students don't want to get involved that much unless you go to a highly educated school. Uh, because they just get so shy and they don't like making mistakes. And uh, yeah, I'd, I must say, I'd, I wouldn't want to be a Japanese student though. 40 kids in a classroom. I thought 30 was a lot in the UK, but here they have 40. And I don't know, there's just like no degree of personalization. It's uh, yeah. it's not great. I'm not really a fan. But no, I, I don't know. I don't have much um, experience in that field, unfortunately. And <laughs> it's one of those situations where Pete can't add anything I got to the table. Mate. Useless, I got nothing, mate. I got. I even got a table. My, my table's in the shop. It's not been built yet. That's how little. <laughs> uh, but I do. I do uh, like uh, the way that uh, you know the, 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 these these situations are, are called like neurodiversity. I think it's a wonderful neurodiversity kind of term for that for that kind of thing. It doesn't you know it it it, it doesn't necessarily label anything. It's just you know yeah, just yeah different. Yeah. Not I wrong, mean, just different. Like it. I, I, a lot of people I know have ADHD, and it's one of those things mm. that I think's only been. Really, like a lot of people were starting to realize they've got it. Like, uh, someone close to me only uh, discovered that they had it recently and they're in their sort of mid 20s. And they, oh, mate, I, 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 I don't met who's probably 45 and he, 45. and he got, and he got, and he got the uh, TV presenter and he got, uh, he got a diagnosis, ADSC, and, uh, Christ, I mean, it, we fucking knew because <laughs> we just fucking knew. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he, it's revolutionized the way he, him getting uh, really? treatment for that, him getting the, the, the tablets and stuff. It's absolutely, um, he's become a better, more attentive um, because, you know, a, a certain diagnosis can mean that you are a little more distant, a little bit more um, difficult to deal with. And, and mm. he's, he, he says that his relationships are just a hell of a lot more stronger. That's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the person I know who's uh, been diagnosed, it just it's it's answered a lot of questions like why they struggle yeah. to focus on things in school and why mm. things are always so difficult. But uh, yeah, oh, I, I mean, I think look, I mean, it's it, it's not you, you haven't got like you don't have to have hundred percent of it. You can have ten percent of it. You can have five percent mm, of mm, it. Mm. Like ADHD HD classifications, you know, I read that and I sort of go, well, I mean. 
<laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I must have a lick of that somewhere. <laughs> Give me my Ritalin. Um, and, 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 and that's not to belittle the people who have, uh, ADSC proper and, and a lot of, you know, people go online and sort of self-diagnose themselves. But I mean, you know, out of it, I, I don't think I have many, um, uh, you know, situation, you know, mental uh, situations that, that I've got to deal with necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I'm a fucking, you know, I, that, you know, the, the checklist of ADHD, I sort of go, well, look, if, if, if my problems were more severe and if I couldn't hold down the work that I have got, I think, uh, you know, I'd be asking some pretty, pretty severe questions of, of, of my doctor and asking for a, mm-hmm. for a proper classification. But, it, you know, it's, 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 you don't always have to have everything. Um, you know, the worst. You can just have have a touch of it, and it's absolutely uh, yeah. It's it's very fascinating, and I'm just glad that you know these days people are actually getting the the help that they that they need, and and the, the mm. medication and the consultations that they that they need, and and that's why the bloody NHS is great on on this side of the pond. But unfortunately, <laughs> in Japan, like a lot of you know those sort of situations, I feel Japan is behind. Oh. You know, mm. so I don't. I don't know really. I'd have to look into that. But uh, I mm. suspect that it's not handled as well. Uh, just in the same way, mental oh, health isn't handled overly well here. But uh, something to look into. But uh, yeah, my three years teaching it never really came up in the classroom though. It never came up, right. which is weird. Um, we got one here from Gainbrill. Uh, it says, "Hello, corpulent Chris and preeminent Pete. What is it this week? Why is everyone getting so creative? We've had miserable Doctor Miserable and Petri Dish Pete. Now corpulent Chris and preeminent <laughs> Pete. I hope this fax finds you both well. As celebrities, celebrity, wow. you're a celebrity, Pete. It's a big, it's a big you've got word, Wikipedia. isn't it? Uh, have <laughs> you ever had? Have you ever had awkward or uncomfortable encounters with fans who feel like they know you a little too well? What is it like to be approached by random people who know about you and your lives and perhaps feel entitled to your personal life uh, when they are complete strangers? Many thanks for all the joy and company provided, guys. Your potential friend, Gabriel, from Upper Michigan. Pete, have you ever felt uncomfortable? With a fan? No, not really. I think you. I think some I think I think lines can be overstepped every now and again, just with the intensity of some of the dispatches. Right, yeah. But um, you know, but you don't know what the, that person's um, you know, up to what, what their what their uh, situation is. I suppose you know they just they just get through their life. You're just getting through yours. Um, so I try not to think about you know worry about it too much. But um, I know a person who um went out with a guy who was weirdly quite well, very well known himself he was in yeah. a, a tv he was in a tv show um about like you know a, a fantasy setting very popular game of thrones uh game of thrones he was <laughs> <laughs> And he started going out with my mate and my mate, um, the dynamic was really weird because even though the guy's on Game of Thrones, started going out with my mate and his, and he used to listen to her radio show. And so he knew, and it's one of those round table radio shows that people talk about their lives, talk about their situation and stuff. And so they started seeing each other, but it's weird because the person from Game of Thrones knew more about her than she knew about him, effectively. Because he's obviously, even if you watch all the Game of Thrones, he's just playing a role, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and, and and so, it was really fascinating. And the, the relationship didn't last in the end, unfortunately. Aww. But uh, you sort of think the dynamic is very strange. Like they know 
loads of stuff about you and you know nothing about them. And if you're not an inquisitive type, <laughs> you'll never find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, I've certainly bumped into fans or viewers who uh, listen to the podcast or watch the videos and, you know, know more than I do about Abroad in Japan. I've had people go, oh, I love that video we did XYZ and I forgot on it because it was three years ago. And, yes. uh, but no, yeah. I, it's not for me, it's not really weird because, you know, it, I, I, it, it was weird the first few times, but um, now it's fine. It's kind of cool when someone comes up to you and says, oh, I liked that thing you did there or that, and you can sort of go, oh, yeah, it's cool, wasn't it? When I bump into mm. a viewer, I treat them more like a, a friend that I haven't seen in a while, and that makes it not ever feel odd. Like, that's the trick right. to get around it. Just, you know, if someone goes, oh, Chris, you know, I've watched your videos. Oh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, and have a quick chat, and it's it gets around it. Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't I – haven't, I haven't dated anyone from Game of Thrones, and – no, I'm pretty sad about that now. That's the key <laughs> takeaway from this. Keep the, <laughs> keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to broadjapanpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to ask Pete exactly who that person was from Game of Thrones as soon as this podcast is over. But keep the stories, questions, comments coming in. We'll be back next week to all over again. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week, and we'll see you again on the Abroad Japan podcast. Bye for now. It was the White Walker. <laughs> Which one? It was actually a white, just a big white man, spooky man. Abroad in Japan is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.